If you love Sports Bazaar, why wouldn't you want to sign up to Bazaar Plus, our membership program, for even more episodes? Just go to the link in the show notes to sign up. It's Sports Bazaar. Welcome aboard, everyone. Anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. The hunt for the weirdest. There you go. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? <laughs> Blow my mind. I don't. I can't <laughs> keep up. Strangers. Catastrophic, amazing, bizarre. Multiple layers of stupidity coming together. What could go wrong? Most unbelievable. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. Stories to ever occur. They're only going to get weirder from here. Get comfy, everyone. Some good, some bad. And some just... Bizarre, which we love. In the world of sport. How many chimneys could you do in a day? I've researched the Tour de France, not chimneys. Sports Bizarre. Right, police are called in. <laughs> For the players. Dennis Rodman is telling you to calm down. Testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. I feel like once again we've strayed away from what I've researched. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. An old couple who've got our spark back. It's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Hello everybody and welcome back to Sports Bazaar. It's been a long week for me. I've been in a cliffhanger state. And hello Titus O'Reilly, of course, I'm Mick Malloy. We did the first instalment of John Daly and his story, which is epic. A rags to riches, up against it, poor background to the big time, to one of the greatest golfers in the world. We've left him winning a major at the home of golf. We've examined in some detail his infractions off the course. And on. And on. on. (laughs) World's colliding. Where is all this going? How does it end? Titus, can you bring us up to speed? Where did we leave this fascinating tale last week? Well, we got to the point where he'd been drinking, he had gambling debts. Yeah. He'd broken up with his most recent wife, which was his third. Third. And I'd almost do an Excel spreadsheet to track his wives because he has children to all of these not all but two of them so he's got two kids three weeks wives Uh, three alimony payments yeah he's paying a half a million dollars in alimony a year us so you know which is normal we've all been there straight (laughs) he's been terminated by wilson golf who was his big sponsor and then callaway who are a big manufacturer golfing equipment have come in with a four-year three million dollar contract saying to him no gambling or drinking though that's the clause in the contract and you and I left going, well, I'm sure it all is clear sailing from here. And they're going to wipe his debts. And they wiped $1.7 billion in gambling debts. This is a very good deal for John Daly. Excellent. Like solved all his debt problems, millions of dollars to fund his lifestyle, but said, get back to golf. I'm concerned about the behavioural clause. The behavioural clause is a challenge. This is going to get tricky. Just drinking and gambling, you can muck around still. Okay, so he's still have a bit of fun on the side. So this is in 1997 that this happened. So he's done all that. He then gets into 1998 and everything seems to be going all right. And then he gets to the 1998 Bay Hill Invitational. It's an Arnold Palmer Invitational. Yeah, absolutely. So best golfers are invited along. And he's playing this course, Bay Hill. He gets there and there's a course it's a par five so you got you know you got to try and finish that this particular hole in five strokes yeah. and the key part of this hole is as a giant lake on part of it sure you have to get over the lake yeah. to the hole well, normally what most people do and assuming you know people don't know about golf you tee off and you try and land the ball near the shore of the lake then you drive then over you drive the over lake it. 
right? So, so you design. So you lay, yeah, you lay up. You try and chip it short. So then you clear. You got to be near the lake to clear it. That's right. Daly looks at it and goes, "I reckon I can clear this lake from the tee." Which no one else does, right? But he is a huge hitter. And would be a massive advantage. Massive, because then instead of, you know, you've cleared the lake in one shot instead of two, yeah. right? So in, on a par five, that's massive. So he lines up and he says, oh, I'm going to do it. He takes out his three wood. I'll drive it. The tee shot goes into the water. Okay. Now at that point, you've lost a stroke, but you'd say, all right, I'll lay up this time. I'm in the hole. I I'll drop the ball. Around. Yeah, yeah. Daly goes, nah. I'm going to try and drive it again. <laughs> I'll just drive again. Yeah. I'll just go again. So he goes again. And, of course, it goes in the water. into the water. He then has four more shots at it. And all? 20 minutes later, he recorded a 13 over 18 shots on a par five. He's cooked. Tournament so, over. And there's that movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costa where yes. the golfer just can't give it up and just keeps trying to drive a lake. Yeah. But this is real life. This is real life. So 20 minutes of just trying to clear this lake. He'd be holding pure, up the field too, by the way. Yeah, and pure boneheadedness. But right, he's just. This is a gambler's mentality. Yeah. It became guess. more important. Winning didn't become important anymore. It more important just to There's prove no, he can drive the this. lake. Yeah. He can't. <laughs> One of the analysts on TV said, I think the key shot for the hole was his 15th shot. <laughs> so they're just laughing, going, this is absolutely ridiculous. I'd love um, to see Ball Tracker. You know how they, they yeah, show yeah, the Yeah, yeah, it's just straight. At, yeah. They said, though, that when he came in after playing golf, he was actually in really good spirits. Because so to him, it, down. no, it was just, I was going to try something. Didn't quite work it out. It didn't work me. out, but it was fun. The funny thing is, he. He finished with the day only 13 over. This is despite absolutely melting down. He said his one problem is he only had just enough equipment to remain in business. He had one golf ball left because he'd shot well, them all right. into yeah. the lane. You can't have any more, so he's just shot them all the things. So, <laughs> so he does this. It's, you know, all over the place. 1999, two years into the Callaway contract, and suddenly Callaway announced that John Daly started drinking again. And he, the chairman, who's 80 years old, Eli Calloway, who started the brand yep. and has helped Daly all along Being by signing corner, this. Yep. And apparently it starts to break down. Where earlier in 1999, Daly was working with Calloway officials in California and he just suddenly disappears. Right. And they can't find him. It's not great. No. He later said he went to Las Vegas where he gambled, had a few pops and had a great time. Oh, well, it broke every single clause. In every it. single clause. He left Callaway to break every clause in yeah, his Yeah, he's, he's filming something or doing some promotional thing with them and disappears on them. He doesn't say I'm going. They can't find him. He's gone to Vegas to drink and gamble. He loses half a million dollars on that particular gambling spree. Now, his golf contract with them is worth $3 million over four years and he's just lost half a million dollars. Eli Calloway, the chairman, says to Daly, you have broken the clause, you've fallen off the wagon, but we're not going to abandon you. We'll send you to an addiction specialist. Daly goes to the clinic but then just goes, leaves. He says, people were nice but it just wasn't for me. So they say, Calloway finally say, well, Enough. we've tried to help you, you've broken both clauses and then you've refused. We've given you another, a second chance to then go and get back. You know, you've fallen off the wagon, fine. Yeah. Let's get no, you no, back on done, it. They've done been more than honourable in this. He d he says that he's decided that it's just not worth trying to stay sober and not gamble. That that's just not him. He's just going to try and live with it. He says it's sad, but I think it's great to be free. He said, "Granted, I could go out and lose everything, 
by gambling and drinking, but there's no sense in denying it. It's in my blood. So he just says, that's me. All right. Eli Calloway is really sad and says, you know, I care a great deal about him, but, you know, we can't help him while he's sort of doing all of this. Yeah. So it's just $3 million he's gone. But Daly says, I think Mr. Calloway made it too easy for me. The money was too good and I didn't practice hard enough. It's going to make me hungry now. That money not coming in like it was. We've got great purses. There's a ton of money out there. It's time for me to earn my money again. He says he came to the crossroads and took a long, hard look in both directions. It was either golf and drinking or no golf and no drinking. I made a decision to keep <laughs> playing golf. This is what I do. I this love is that my he's package. About it. I love that he's gone to his, he's given this a great deal of thought and work out it's best to keep drinking. Yeah. He says, I could give up the game and probably stay sober and do speeches and stuff. Would be a hell of a lot easier because I'd be out of the spotlight now of the game, but I can't do both. There ain't no way. After he would stay off alcohol and gambling, he says, honestly, probably not. I want to gamble and I want to have a few drinks now and then. Basically, trying to stay sober had taken over my life and I was miserable. It's like I've said before, there's no way I'd never drink again. It's sad, but I think it's great to be free. Now he's gambling. He said that straight after the split was announced, he went to a riverboat casino in Mississippi <laughs> and gambled that night. So straight away. He was asked if he would continue to gamble, even though it is estimated he'd lost between $12 million on gambling since 1993 to 1996. So in three years, he'd lost. He said, I love the action. I just loved it. And so this love of gambling, now this, these figures will astound. These are coming from John Daly, yeah. these figures, right? These are not. This love of gambling and the not giving up from that point. So he's, he's already lost $12 million from 993 to 996. By 2014, he admitted that gambling had cost him more than $55 million. I don't know what to say. It's that I don't know how you can absorb. This just shows you how like much money that. he's also bringing in, though. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like he's so popular and bringing so much in endorsements. They just, and he starts his own like company for clothing because he's like lost. Oh, we're well aware of his company for yeah, clothing. Yeah. And he, he suddenly, you know, and I think, you know, he's always doing these things. So, what was his game? Do you know? Was, was he blackjack or was he poker? What was he? He liked the pokies, but he would do $1,000 pool pokies. Like, Even you know, the poker machines. The saddest yeah. gambling form. But with Daly, he's true, like, Everything about him, he likes going to hooters, he likes strippers, he likes casinos, he likes pokies, he likes Jack Daniels. He's like, it's white lower class America, like southern state. To a T. To a T. He, is, he doesn't pretend to be anything but. Yeah. This is his world. Unbelievable. And no matter how rich he is, his tastes have not really changed, right? He's not suddenly going to French restaurants or something. I'm just trying to compute $55 million million for the pokies. They <laughs> must have loved seeing him coming. Oh, Can I tell you my story? If you ever saw him at a golf course wearing a hat that was a casino, yeah. it usually meant he owed that casino a fair amount of money. And, right. and the wearing the cap was a way of offsetting gambling losses. <laughs> I believe that to be true. So no, that would be a hundred percent true. Wearing a hat that he lost a lot of money. He's had a bad night. Yeah. In October 1999, he meets Sinead Chandler, who's also a recovering alcoholic, and they hit it off. Chandler immediately drops out of the University of Texas journalism program to move in with Daly. Okay. And which they is have a, a baby move. within a week. Is <laughs> this a, a true to form? 
the relationship moves quickly. Daly proposes to Chandler just two months later. Now, dropping out of your uni degree, talk up moving with John Daly. Not a smart. The world's colliding. Not a smart, but not a smart. The man you just described to me not moments ago doesn't seem tertiary fit. <laughs> but also, you're like putting your, all your chips in on him. Yeah. In two months, he proposes to Chandler, but he's also started binge drinking again at this okay. point, right? right? The two get in lots of fights. One involved him throwing all of her clothes from their car into a McDonald's parking lot that ended it with the Alabama police's involvement. <laughs> <laughs> They're just screaming and yelling at each other, both of them, right? Yes. It's not a good thing. Yeah. He's struggling to stop drinking. He's fighting with Chandler. He's been known a two-month they're engaged. While this is all going on, he meets a woman called Sherry Miller. She's a 25-year-old car saleswoman from Memphis, Tennessee. She's got a one-year-old son and they meet at a golf tournament. He becomes infatuated and ends it with Chandler immediately. So she's dropped yeah. out of uni and all this. He marries Miller in July of the same year. So this is all in like, you know. Fifth, fifth wife? Fourth. Told you there was a spreadsheet I've had to do to keep <laughs> up with this, right? So they marry. This escalates like everything does, but in a way that you might not admit, yeah. like think. Seven weeks after meeting her, they're married. She gives birth to his third child, John Patrick Daly the second in 2002. Once again, things take a turn for worse. This time, not John's fault, amazingly. My God. The same week she gives birth to their son. Mm. This is Miller. She gives birth to their son. She and her parents are indicted under charges of involvement regarding an illegal gambling and drug operation ring <laughs> in Mississippi from 1996 to 2001. So he's oh, met her and within seven weeks he's married her. Yeah. Not long after they have a son. son. The week she has their baby, she she's says, indicted. oh, my parents and I have been indicted for running a drug and illegal gambling operation in Mississippi. We've been indicted. What a love story. She's alleged to be part of a large conspiracy along with her father, Alvis, and mother, Billy, to buy and sell cocaine, methamphetamines, and marijuana and paid with them with cash from previous drug sales. Okay. Tom has alleged that the indictments, they'd made a total of 47 bank deposits of just under $10,000. And that that's is $10,000 where the feds get told. If you make a deposit more than 10, it triggers interest. their reporting. Daly's caddy and personal assistant, who two people, his caddy and his personal assistant, both of whom were longtime friends, they quit to avoid being associated with him and his wife. Right. Daly said, I really don't know anything about it. It hit me like a brick house. I'm more in shock about it than anything. He says, it's not fair to kick someone when they're down when they've not proven anything. I just have to wait and see what happens. I might not stick with her if she's guilty. I just know she's a good mum. Okay. That's but this way. is the week she's just given birth to his son. So <laughs> Daly gets his lawyers to drop divorce papers. They're never against Cherie. In these papers, they're never filed, but they become found out. The golfer claimed his wife also physically and verbally abused him. She never accuses him of this, but okay. she accuses him. Yep. And had kept him in the dark about this federal investigation. He tells Sports Illustrated, no human being deserved what she's done to me. She replies to Sports Illustrated. They go to her. She says, I think he's really gone nuts. I think he has drunk himself to where his mind's not even right. This is like playing out in the thing. She's the one being indicted on running a gambling yeah. and drug ring. Yeah. They stay together, however. <laughs> They're still together. 
So this is in 2002, it's right? It's just chaos. He's living in chaos. In 2003, yes. they're still together, Sherry puts a chokehold on a naked stripper who had cozied up to John at a charity outing in Little Rock, resulting in them having a much better 2004 because Sherry says, now all the strippers stay away because they think I'm psycho. There's okay, a lot to unpack in that sense. <laughs> I just love that that was a breakthrough moment, her putting a chokehold on the stripper, and now things are a lot better. So what I love about that, right, yeah. is she puts a chokehold on a naked stripper who's cozing up to John at a charity outing. It's a charity. Who? who but, but she's I, there while the stripper is. Yeah. So I don't know at what point she got offended. But also, how many charity events, and I know you have done a lot of charity, that's not a joke, no. How many have had naked strippers at them? I, not, I guess none. Not many. No, I can't think of. <laughs> not as many as you'd think. No, it's okay. What an innovative way to raise cash. Well, you'd probably raise a lot more. There's <laughs> a lot more corporates turning up if that was de rigueur. So she says that everything's going a bit better. Who needs counselling? They've worked it out between them. Well, because she's threatened to stay stripper. away. So the strippers are going, his wife chokeholds us if we go near him. And she's been indicted for drugs. I think and... she's made her point. So this is legally all going backwards. He's going okay. He actually in 2001, around this time, in 2001 he has his best tour ever. Wow. So... How can you be going well on the circuit Well, wait, best just consistency. Chaos. Yeah, he wins at a European tour event and first time in six years. He has his best PJ tour since 1995. He finishes fourth at the Bell Canadian Open. He's... Suddenly going really well. Sure, Sherry has been indicted and possibly going to jail and he didn't know about it. But apart from that, things are going well. His safest place is on course. Yeah. Yeah. You know. On July 4th, 2002, John and his wife Sherry and a bunch of friends, they go back home for a big 4th of July cookout and party, right? So straight away, yeah. This is the old bonfire days. Exactly. 50 or 60 people show up, friends of John's from all over the place. They throw open their house to everyone. It's huge. Sherry's there, you know, they're all staying. He parks his tour bus because he's gotten a few issues with airlines over the years in blow-up, so they've he prefers to drive. He's on a no-fly list, isn't he? I think he's not quite, but close. Yeah. So he just sure. he's got this fancy tour bus. It's parked out the front. They're all there. And he's inside the tour bus with Sherry, and then there's a knock on the door at this party. And it's Sherry's friend Kelly. And she wants to come in because John's dad's been following her around trying to hit on her. Kelly's like 25 and his dad's 69. Okay, yep, good work. Um, he's in his bathing suit and he's completely drunk. <laughs> so John goes out. <laughs> we're talking about carny folk here. Let's yeah, be honest. This is where we're at. Yeah. So John's dad is 69, drunk as anything, in his bathing suit, following around a 25-year-old girl. John confronts him and says, Dad, just get back on out of here. Get back out and onto the patio, right? Go away. Um, he then goes in to his brother Jamie and says, Dad's drunk. He can't walk. We've got to get him home. This is annoying. And Jamie and him manage to walk Dad back to his house. And all of a sudden he comes up to John, the dad, and like he's wanting to fight and he starts going at John. And John just pushes him back down in his chair and says, Dad, just sit down and shut up. Like, John's big guy. His sure. dad's 69 now. No, like, His mum's meanwhile over at his house listening to a song, so she doesn't know this is all going on. Eventually his dad gets up drunk, stumbles into his bedroom, and they go, great, he's gone to bed. 
at Tova. Let's get back to the party sort of thing. Yes. All of a sudden, he stumbles back out of the bedroom with a big old pistol in his hand and points it at John. John says, it's for about six inches from my head. He was so hammered, you didn't know who the hell I was. And he says, I'd had it with him. I say, just go ahead and shoot me if you don't recognize your own son. Just go ahead and shoot me. <laughs> so this is all going. Where's Sharif? I'm worried about Sharif. So while this is all going on before his dad can shoot him, yes. John's brother Jamie comes up, pushes his dad's hand away, shoves his dad's head up against the wall, takes the gun out of his dad's hand, and then shoots the gun. <laughs> To get his dad's attention. That's the way to deal with it. That's the, isn't it? That's the way to de-escalate a situation. It's clearly discharge the firearm. Out of control. He says that worked. Dad looked up and without a word staggered off into his bedroom. Yeah, he says so. his dad's never drunk since. Well <laughs> I find that hard to believe, but there you go. What an absurd into a family function. Yeah, this is what's going this on. Is right? In 2002, John comes out to Australia. He comes out to Australia a few times, and it's fair to say it never goes well. Yeah. He does a triple bogey seven on his last hole at the Hyatt Coolum course and throws his putter and ball into a pond and then fails to sign the 78 on his scorecard and is disqualified from it altogether. Of course he is. Everything you've just mentioned is yeah. totally unacceptable. Now, this is a month after his mum's death, so he kind of says, right. look, I'm not in a good headspace and all that. Everyone goes, whatever. You know, the Australian PGA Tour fine him $5,600, which is not exactly. Well, when you've lost $55 million on gambling, you go, ouch. Yeah. He's also ordered to write a letter of apology to the tour official, one of the tour officials he verbally abused, and to the people, his playing partners who he walked out on, which were Craig Parry and Greg Norman. Okay. So Daly sits down and writes the letters and then leaves the country. Yeah. So Greg Norman's probably in his files got an apology <laughs> from oh, John Daly. That would be good on eBay, I reckon. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Uh, in November 26, 2002, John, showing that he's a Renaissance man, releases his first studio album called My Life. It's a country and western type album. You can listen to it. I've heard it. a sort knocking on heaven's door. Oh, he is, does. Look, is my fa- well, no, I haven't heard the studio album, but I've heard a pub recording of him doing of it. him playing. How would you rate it? Look, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the original, to be honest, but uh, he doesn't nail it. Nail it. <laughs> well, uh, but it's eminently amusing, and if you get a chance, yeah, you do Google it. But it's, well, he, it's, his lead single it's on terrific. in his debut album, My Life. His lead single is called "All My Exes Wear Rolexes." <laughs> And that sounds like a great country and western song. Yeah. So these are all original songs. Yeah, he writes songs and he's put lots out, you know. Like I don't think if he wasn't John Daly, anyone would listen. They're Rolexes. Doesn't quite scam. But it uh, almost works. <laughs> so he gets into 2004 and he wins the Buick Invitational. He's selected as the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year. Oh, this is promising. So his golf's suddenly going well. He starts using Dunlop golf equipment. So he starts getting some money through there. He increases his world golf ranking from 299th in the world to into the top 50 during this time. He's ranked fourth overall on the PGA Tour for 2004. So this is top 20. This is the turnaround of him, you know. In 2004, he, he beats Tiger Woods, who's then the world number two but rapidly rising, at the Target World Challenge. Now, at one point, He's boozing in the locker room 
and Tiger walks in in his workout clothes and he says, Tiger, come have a beer with us, man. Come have a beer. And Tiger says, no, I want to go lift weights. And Daly says, I go, man, you don't need to work out. You need to drink a little bit with us. And Tiger said, if I had your talent, which is the bit you mentioned, I'd be doing the same thing you're doing. I'm looking at him thinking, you're crazy, man, Daly says. So he's basically saying, you're more talented than me, John. So I have to work hard. Yes. Whereas you. Where you can just, sit around and drink and still go all right. Yeah. Two hours later, Tiger comes back. He won a major uh, drunk. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's, that's he was like four, five years into his career before he won one sober. Like, yeah. Tiger says all along, you got more talent than me. I can't do what you can do. Two hours later, Tiger comes back and Daly says, hey, you're going to have a drink with us now? And he says, no, nah, I'm going to go and get gym shorts and, and do some more working out and stuff. So he's just going back and forth doing weights, doing gym. Three hours later, he comes back and Daly's into his third bottle of Crown whiskey. <laughs> it is Daly's words. I'm wasted. We're all just wasted, but we're having a good time. <laughs> Woods says this time, it's probably not such a good idea to be wasted given all your sponsors are nearby to watch you play. Like it's not a good look yeah. for you to be sponsors. So Tiger's like weirdly, we have to do Tiger Woods podcast at some point. Yes. Oh, Tiger's like a weird. A yeah, He's a weird combination of intense discipline yeah. in a business golfing sense yes. while his home line's a mess. Daly was never a hypocrite in a way like Tiger Woods who pretend to be a Correct. clean skin. Daly's like, I'm this the same no matter what, right? Yeah. And everyone knows. So Woods sort of tells off Daly for being trashed in front of his sponsors. Yeah. Daly's just a whatever guy. Like, yeah. you know. The next day, Daly and Woods end up paired together. And it's the last day. Daly's so hungover. He says, I'm so hungover I can barely stand up. He still manages to beat Woods by six strokes. <laughs> he says, Tiger's looking at me the whole day. I've got drinks coming down. People are bringing me drinks on the golf course. He says they were just Diet Cokes, but he made Tiger think they were more alcohol. <laughs> but he says later on in the round, while we're still playing, I did drink six Miller Lights. And I've he said, this. so 18 holes and six beers. Yeah. So this is why he's playing Woods. He still beats Woods while drinking and hungover by six shots, which is Woods's point, right, to what you were saying. He's so talented. Yeah. It's just he can't consistently win like Woods because he doesn't have any consistency. Yeah. But his well, talent is so good he can be hammered and still win. At the end of my career, I wouldn't be talking about winning the Open at St Andrews Winning the uh, you know two majors, yeah. I'd be talking constantly about the day I beat Tiger Woods with the biggest hangover and drinking six Miller Lights on course. That to me, there's no trophy in any <laughs> cabinet that's better. That's better than that achievement on yeah. that given day. I know, it's by amazing. Six strokes. <laughs> wow. Now, if 2004 is his comeback, sorry, that's the, I'm, just, I'm standing. <laughs> If 2004 is his comeback year and everything's going well again, 2005 is where it all starts to unravel again. It's a real rollercoaster ride, this one, isn't it? Yeah. At the US Open, Daly's accused of nearly running over Eugene Fleming, an agent. (laughs) 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 You need to give me more warning. (laughs) (laughs) He's accused of... He's accused of nearly running over Eugene Fleming, an agent from the Atlanta office of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobaccos and Firearms at a security checkpoint where all the players were required to stop and show their credentials, oh, right? Wow. So according to the file and four other witnesses, all law enforcement officers on duty, <laughs> Daly just drives in, he doesn't stop and almost runs this guy over and keeps going. 
Fleming said Daly later claimed that he was in a hurry to make his third round starting time. Yeah. Despite all the witnesses, charges are never filed and the tour takes no action against Daly. And in a summary of the disciplinary actions taken against Daly, and this is in Daly's PGA file, yes. it comes out, they took no action. It was labelled a case of mistaken identity saying it wasn't John Daly. Well, how right? did you confuse John Daly with anyone else? Fleming, who works at the Atlanta ATF office, says that it was Daly and he bristles at the suggestion that it was mistaken identity. He says, I follow golf and I know John Daly and he was the driver of that car. <laughs> I looked him in the eye. There was no mistaking identity on my part. He was driving. A lot of people wanted the state of North Carolina to prosecute John for the incident. I heard later the PGA Tour asked them to let them handle it. Fleming said he was told Daly was ordered by the tour the next day this undercuts that the missing identity was not true, yeah. to go to the security checkpoint and apologise to officers, right. which Daly does. Fleming said he wasn't on duty at the time. It wasn't my shift, so Jot Daly apologised to the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you play take John Daly's word over a ATF bureau <laughs> chief <laughs> agent. Yeah, no, nah, mate, yeah, you've got it so, wrong. Now, the only reason we know this story this is covered up. So he's not charged, it's claimed as misdemeanors, and the media don't get hold of it. Right. The only reason we know about this event, a strange thing where in 2005 as well, after that, a Florida Times Union newspaper, a columnist called Mike Freeman, claims Daly failed the scoundrel sniff test. Daly decides, well, I'll sue him for like, like this, I'll sue this to say this statement is not true, that I'm not a scoundrel. The case is dismissed in 2009 when the judge says Daly failed to prove the statement was untrue. <laughs> Daly, Why is he getting on the front foot? So, As you said, he's been honest about who he is. Why would he be offended by that? So this case is dismissed by the judge. Daly's, they say you didn't prove that you're not a scoundrel. Mm. So it's a fair statement. Yes, He's ordered to pay the newspaper more than $300,000 in legal fees. Now, amazingly, you could have gambled that. Yeah, could have gambled that's, that money. That's, that's money you'll never get back to lose. Now, the best part of it is the newspaper that he sued, as part of all this, as the due diligence and the discovery process, we the other side has to hand over certain documents. The PJ has to hand over Daly's to prove his reputation, his rep sheet, his entire disciplinary record. So the newspaper suddenly, this private document, because of John's own legal proceedings, like talk about self-owning yourself. He has not thought His this entire right. disciplinary record, it's 456 pages long and covers <laughs> 18 years up to 2008. So suddenly the newspaper have his entire permanent record of everything he's ever done. Now, Gary Smits is the journalist who writes the story. He realises we've got this now. It's on the public record, on the court documents. We can write about it. Daly doesn't like that he wrote this article about him, so decides to send out Gary Smith's phone number on Twitter. <laughs> he instructs his fans to flood Smith's personal cell line and tell him what they really think. Can I tell you, that's the only sensible response <laughs> in this situation. It's, it's only- his fault that any of this has happened. Daly takes, and he says this on Twitter, this isn't journalism, it's paparazzi like gossip. He calls him a jerk and then... Um, he says, here's the jerk who writes an on-news article on debut. Call and flood his line and let's tell him how we really feel. He adds two more tweets on it and then adds again. He posts his phone number a second time. Gary Smith writes a column saying, the number of messages is now more than 100 and counting. 
Apparently, John's fans sleep in until 11 or so because it gets heavy volume after that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the tour file, the disciplinary file, some of these we already know, but it shows a whole bunch of alcohol-fueled misconduct. He's trashing of his room in sawgrass, which we talked about, Um, a whole bunch of other ones such as that running over the ATF agent or trying to. Um, all these sort of things, fines, improper withdrawals from events is all over there, missing starting times, antics such as being filmed at the opening of a course in which he plays wearing no shoes and no shirt. <laughs> Turns out he's been cited by the tour nearly two dozen times under its failure to give best efforts. So and yeah, sometimes he tanking. Pl- tanking or sometimes he tries to play the course in two hours. So he just tries to do it as fast as humanly possible just for fun. So they're all in there, right? All these ones we talk about are there. So we otherwise would never have known about. We would have never known about. In 2005, Daly also loses two playoffs to the two of the golf world's biggest ones at the moment. Vijay Singh, he loses in a playoff. And then he loses to Tiger Woods in an extra hole uh, shootout, which was um, he was absolutely shattered about because it would have got an PGA Tour exemption through to 2008. Right. So suddenly he's like not qualifying. Yeah, yeah, he basically gets by from this point on by not qualifying for the PGA Tour. But what can happen is sponsors, exemptions or tournaments can invite yeah. you if they think you're a – like if you're an old star or if you're going to – and because uh, he's and still – a draw card. He's a draw card. So he basically can still play in most tournaments even yeah. though he's no longer technically – yeah. So he just misses out. After he loses by this to Tiger Woods, where he would have earned a three-year tour exemption, he goes straight to Vegas to play $5,000 per play slot machines. <laughs> In the first hour, he loses $60,000, but he believes he can get it back with the remainder of 750,000 second-place winnings. By the fifth hour, he's out $1.65 million. Oh, stop it. He thinks to himself, my sponsorship money is going to be coming through in January, so I'll be able to pay everything off. And get it back. So he keeps going, but it doesn't just work. But then he says, at the same time, even when he wins, the money's not guaranteed to stay with him. He admits that once in a fight with Sherry, he threw $65,000 of his gambling winnings off a bridge when she was arguing with him about gambling. And he just said, it means nothing to me and threw sixty-five grand off the bridge. This is insanity. <laughs> wow. 2006 gets even worse. Part of this is due to injuries to his back and hand, but part of it also wasn't helped by the fact that in January, on the eve of the Buick International, he gets word that his wife Sherry's on her way to prison to serve a five-month sentence. Oh. He says, it just came out of the clear blue. It was very tacky on the prosecuting attorney's part. Usually they give you two or three weeks' notice. So suddenly, despite this, the next day he shoots a 69, even though his wife's going to jail for five months. She's released, but things don't go well. Sherry then rushes to the courthouse. She files for divorce on October 17. He then files the next day for divorce. What was her grounds? They were just fighting and it's like. Okay. But in December 2006, in October they filed for divorce. In December he plays another tournament. He walks out of the scoring tent and he's got his wedding ring back on and his wife, Sherry's waiting for him at the top of the hill. And he says, we are working it out. We love each other just a little more than we hate each other. We're trying to work it out and I think we will. Okay. In 2007, his wife tries to stab him. <laughs> and he turns up to a golf tournament no. with scratches, knife marks on his face because she's attacked him with a steak knife. <laughs> this is no good. This is the final straw, Vic. <laughs> oh, he's, he's finally drawn a line in the yeah. sand. 
They divorce. They divorce. Well, I'm sad it didn't have to end like that. I know. Like with a stabbing. (laughs) But, (laughs) And the 2008 Buick Openy is playing with Kid Rock, who's a close friend, and he gets in trouble. Kid Rock is drinking beer and puts the can on the ground and says, tee off of that. And he tees off of that. And he tees off of that. In 2008 as well, Butch Harmon, who's his swing coach, quits. Says his most important thing in daily life is getting drunk, and says I'm out. That's the next, not exactly a spoiler alert, is it? That's not. No, it's not a new. You knew that when you took him on. Daily's a no-show for a pro-am round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, so that's all going downhill for him. And then on, in 2008, he's at a Hooters in North Carolina. Yeah. Where the police arrest him because he's passed out drunk and put him in jail for the night and release a mugshot. The tour finds him $10,000 and sends arrested him. Arrested at Hooters. Fast out. That's on my bucket list <laughs> to be arrested at Hooters. So he's basically suspended for six months on the PJ tour. Yeah. So he goes to Australia yeah, okay. again. Yeah. They're willing to pay him. So he's suspended for PJ. So they go, great, come play for in our tour. Yep. Um, he bombs out of the Australian Masters in Melbourne and the Australian PJ in Queensland. He misses the cut in both. He then plays the Australian Open at Royal Sydney. <laughs> He shoots three double bogeys and four bogeys in a six-over round of 78. And at one point, a spectator Brad Clegg attempts to take his photo. Daly snatches his camera and hurls it into the trunk of a tree, saying, you want it back? I'll buy you a new one. He issues a statement saying, it's not my fault this guy was putting his camera in my face. Sure. You know, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't apologise. Yep. Clegg's asked if he'd seek compensation from Daly and Daly, and he says, no, I don't think so. He's a big bloke. <laughs> so at this point, Daly meets the woman who kind of tames him, oh who's he's still with to this day. Another wife? 2007. Her name is um, Anna Cladicus, and she is a promotional director at Hooters. So Daly is a, a vowed right. lover of Hooters and is now officially a spokesperson for them. And so this is a great – well, he's someone. engaged. They've been engaged um, but they've never got married. I think she's quite smart. I think he's going, let's stay engaged. Sure. For, so he's engaged for a lot. Like, I think they've been engaged for a long, long time. His former fiance, um, Sherry, she sues Anna oh for breaking God. up their marriage, but that doesn't really work. Um, in 2011, he's back in Australia and he's playing halfway through and he keeps hitting the ball into the water. And so he storms off there and just, refuses to play the rest of it. He says, I love the fans here in Australia. They've been great. I've never played well here. Try too hard and it backfired. He's told he might be suspended from Australia golf for good. He says, it might not be bad if they ban me because I've never played well here. I do love the people in this beautiful country. I take responsibility for my actions. I have, always have, and I don't blame anyone but myself. Yeah. But then 2017 in the PGA Tours champion title, for years he's been a non-force. He's like... Yeah. He's just a – he's like a bit of an exhibition hey, so thing. He's the town drunk on yeah. the circuit and he's not shooting scores or playing like he used to. He plays the 2017 PGA Tour Champions title and he wins the tournament. The first time he's won a tournament in 13 years. Okay. The then president, <laughs> Donald Trump, comes out and says, congratulations to John on this big win yesterday. John is a great guy, never gave up and now a winner again. Daly replies, Thank you, Mr. President. And also doing such a great job for our country means a lot. So he's a Trump fan. Of course he is. Which is not surprising. Uh, he's the definition of a Trump fan. 
In July 2019, Daly has a near-death experience when he's bitten by a brown recluse spider while vacationing in England. He develops sepsis and requires emergency surgery. Which is just right up there with everything he's ever done. In 2020, Nancy's got bladder cancer, but it's benign. So he says, someday I feel like Superman, some days I feel like Jommy Hoffa, six days under. But he keeps going. He's allowed to use a cart to traverse the, the course now. PJ don't allow They don't allow it. No, I don't think they gave any exemptions. It's amazing. So at this point, he's really just, he's now in the Legends Tour, which is for these, you know, he's in his 50s. He's about, I think he's about 56. Yep. And he's still a spokesperson for Hooters. His son, John Daly II, who's playing golf, but I don't think he's at the University of Arkansas. We don't know how good he is going to be, but he also signs a sponsorship with Hooters. And Daly says it's it's great for me and my son because we love Hooters food. <laughs> it's like reading Playboy for the articles. <laughs> oh, the food, just the menu, the degustation at Hooters. So in conclusion, like this is just to give you a sense of how little John Daly has changed yes. over the years, right? He played in a tournament in the PGA in 2022, so last year, so not long ago. Um, he hit shot two over, but in his 18 rounds, he was fueled by cigarettes, Diet Coke and M&Ms with a trip to Hooters to celebrate afterwards. <laughs> he was 56 last year. Yes. He teed off and there was a journalist who finished up tied for 56 overall, but his on-course diet was the focus. So they had a journalist who just followed him around and, and wrote down what he did yeah. while on the court. He's got benign bladder cancer still, sure. but he smoked 21 cigarettes, drank 12 Diet Cokes and ate six packs of peanut M&Ms during the <laughs> game, right? Uh, we've come a long way from popcorn, <laughs> Jack Daniels and cigarettes. This is all while he's allowed to use a cart under the American with Disabilities Act for his osteoarthritis. Yes. Then he went to Hooters have some wings and then he ended the night with beers and slot machines at a Tulsa casino. What right? That was his normal thing. So he was doing all of this, which is amazing. Now, he famously, to give you a sense of him, he rejects water in favour of soda. Now, he's been drinking Diet Coke since his college coach got him off full Coke and got him onto diet, right? So he's <laughs> drunk it all the time. Tiger Woods once said that during the blazing heat of the 2007 PJ Championship, Daly commented to Woods that he had drunk 13 Diet Cokes in a single day and zero bottles of water, right? Daly told a journalist in 2016 that he hates drinking water and loves the taste of Coke better, especially from McDonald's. I used to drink anywhere from 12 to 20 Diet Cokes a day. I used to go to McDonald's three to four times a day. To me, they always had the best fountain Diet Coke. You know, I don't drink water. I hate water. I cannot stand <laughs> drinking water. <laughs> he says, Beef with water. He says, I used to be able to eat two Big Macs, two or three cheeseburgers, a chocolate shake, regular Coke back then before I started drinking Coke. He said, <laughs> he said he would often walk back to his cart and get a large McDonald's soft drink in the cup holder and then drink it. And he'd take off in his cart while his caddy had to carry the bags walking. He's living the life. This is what he was meant to do. And now to give Daly his far thing, a journalist said to him very recently, why do you think, despite all this craziness, all this ridiculousness, you're so popular? 
He said, I think because there's no skeletons in my closet, if I screwed up, I'll honestly say I screwed up and I think the fans like that. Yeah. Um, he says, I'm not looking over my shoulder and they're going to know about this or that. Everybody knows everything about me on this tour, my life, my ex-wives, everything. And it's out there so there's not really anything to hide. I think hopefully it's the honesty. To sum this up, this sums his popularity yes. away. One of his fans came up to him in the clubhouse after a round and they're all trying to get autographs. And one man says, your book was the best one I ever read to John Daly. And then the man said, actually, it's the only one I've ever read. <laughs> uh, and so concludes a story. But you know what? He's not done yet too, you know. I'm, no. sure, I'm sure down the track we'll be able to put in a third instalment because he's, as you said, he's still on the Legends Tour. You still see him bob up. It's incredible he's still with us. What I'm always struck with these stories is how much people fit into one life. <laughs> Not necessarily in a good way. And think that it's golf was the sport. When you say <laughs> everything else about him, you think it would be like 10-pin bowling or, yeah. or something like a crossbow <laughs> <laughs> or, or something, but my God, the most like dirt, NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a NASCAR driver in golf. Know, but I endlessly fascinating a giant story a larger than life character and uh, I'm exhausted <laughs> just listening to that I'm gonna feel like going to Hooters <laughs> and having a knockoff. please come and join me thank you again Titus O'Reilly if you'd like more Sports Bazaar things get even bizarrer join our membership program Bazaar Plus very easy to do just follow the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com to join Bazaar Plus our membership program cheers